Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit fundraising galas and how they use those funds to positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am delighted to have two guests to talk about really one of the best events in Texas, and that is Christina Wren and Sarah Jo Hardin, and they are here to talk about the Majestic Mad Hatter's 35th Annual Tea Party and it benefits the Women's Council of the Dallas Arboretum. Christina, Sarah Jo, welcome, and I am thrilled to have you both here today. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We're thrilled to be with you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, what I wanna do is talk about the mission of the Women's Council of the Dallas Arboretum and the Dallas Arboretum in general. Sarah Jo, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit more about the organization and, and what you all do to benefit the Dallas community. Well, currently, a women's council has 575 members. We were, this is our 40th year, and uh, we are a wonderful group of women who are passionate and dedicated to a women's garden, which is um, celebrating its 25th year. And that is the garden within the Dallas Arboretum that we created. And our main mission is to grow and maintain and support a women's garden. And this organization has done many fundraisers over the years. This is the 35th year of Mad Hatters and we do a writer's garden in the fall. And we uh, try to put those funds into our endowment trust so that we can completely support a women's garden. And we have women who are passionate about it. It is the most beautiful part of the Dallas Arboretum and millions of people have visited our garden. It is the, the Dallas Arboretum is the number one destination to visit in Dallas and our most popular park in Dallas. And right now Dallas Blooms is going on and a women's garden is just glorious. So the funds raised from Mad Hatters um, go to support our complete, you know, maintenance of that garden and any capital uh, improvements that we make to the garden. So that's why we're all excited to go to Mad Hatters and raise money for this cause that, you know, we aren't curing cancer, but we are helping people who uh, need joy in their lives and it's comforting. And so people who are experiencing bad health issues, emotional issues, anything that is going wrong in their life, they can come and relax and experience the joy and beauty of nature and its healing. And so I think bringing joy to people's life is a wonderful, wonderful um, reason to raise money. I just think that that beauty of that garden is special and um, unique. And that's why Mad Hatters is fun because we have a good time but yet we're raising money for something important. Well, you know, it it's interesting. You brought up several really interesting points is one, happy anniversary times three. So we've got yes. <laughs> we've got we've got 40 years of the of, of the Dallas uh, of, of just the, the organization the itself, Council. the yeah. women's council, 35 years of Mad Hatters and 25 years of the women's garden. So that's an awful lot to yes. celebrate all at once. Yes. So, and what's interesting, Sarah Jo, is your passion really came through with the organization. Tell us how you became involved with, you know, with this organization initially and what's kept you involved 
you know, on an ongoing basis? Many, many years ago, a very good friend of mine's mother, um, her name was Beth Averett, uh, got me involved because at that time period, um, I was uh, director of the Fifth Avenue Club at Saks Fifth Avenue. And we did one of the very first star shows with Mad Hatters. And so I became, you know, very involved from that point on. And actually my first date, my blind date with my husband was at the Arboretum at an event. So really, uh, yes. And so uh, it's special to me. And over the years when I was raising my children, we would go to a lot of the fundraising events that the Women's Council was doing at that time. They used to have a holiday children's party and uh, went to many of uh, the events that included spouses. And, you know, I just had over the years, so many good, good memories of fun fundraising events uh, at the Arboretum, but it's a special place because um, that's my first date with my husband. So Wow. So it literally, the Dallas Arboretum <laughs> literally has changed your life in so many yes. positive ways. <laughs> literally. Not just the fundraising, but also, you know, yes. you get to be grateful literally every second of every day with your yes. husband. That's yes, wonderful. I do. But I love the Women's Council and being involved with it for uh, over three decades. I mean, for a very long time, um, I have seen it go through um, changes and growth and we've added so many new members and added more and more to our garden phase one phase two and it's just amazing to see what today's a woman's garden looks like it is just so beautiful and our we just refurbished the um the poetry garden within a woman's garden and our vitex ali uh, garden and our beautiful pool our reflecting pool and, um, you know, our circle of honor and the wind harp. There's just a lot of special features in a women's garden that, you know, in places where people do proposals. I mean, a lot of it is, is special because um, there are so many memories created there. Lots, lots of uh, photography is done there, wedding photos. I mean, it, it's really a special place. It really it sound it really sounds like it. So Christina, you know, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the organization. You know, before we were on, Sarah Joe was talking about how you and um the other co-chair Ann Stodgehill work really well and complement each other, you know, each other really well. Tell me a little bit about how um you got involved with this organization and what it means to you. Well, uh, I am a new member this year and joined because we had been chosen to chair and um, hope to remain a member because what I think is so nice about the organization is there's such wonderful camaraderie within the group and everyone really does want to work together and work towards supporting a woman's garden. And they also have such wonderful events throughout the year where you can get together, where you can go and volunteer and plant at the Arboretum where you can go to, um, you know, a fall and a spring luncheon to be around the other people in the organization and to have a program. So, and they also are very um, good about birthdays and celebrating each one of the members and, and making sure that there's always time for new members to get together and new members to then be sort of paired up with other people. And so I think that's an important part of it. And um, I'm very happy that I was asked to chair so that I can know about the Women's Council. And it became very important to me, having been to Mad Hatters before, not realizing that it was sponsored by a Women's Council, 
the women's council and that it benefited a woman's garden. So when I did the branding for our event, I had to make sure that that became much more of a through thought where everybody can understand that, that it's Mad Hatters, but it was started by Carolyn Brown, who's still very involved, that Barbara Bigham, who's a member of our organization, has been involved for years as well. And that it isn't necessarily, it benefits the Arboretum, but it really is benefiting a woman's garden that is run by a woman's organization and is the only garden um, in the country that is thought was um, conceived, created, and then supported by women. That's really, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned, you know, there's all kinds of events that happen all throughout the year. One of the biggest, if not the biggest one of the year is coming up in, in Mad Hatters. So as I was saying earlier, Mad Hatters is really one of those events. It really embodies the term fun and fundraising, which is what we're all about here. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about the Mad, the Mad Hatters event, because it really is just an unbelievably good time. Well, this year we have um, made a few changes. Um, we are really wanting to focus on the hats again. Uh, and when Ann and I were conceiving what we wanted to do, it was very important to us for it to be elegant. And Sarah Jo, the rest of the year, has had an English theme. So we knew we wanted it to be a celebration of English elegance, but we didn't feel like that was really a theme, that that was more of a tagline. So we spent a couple of weeks sort of going back and forth. And then when we were sitting at this fabulous Women's Council meeting where we were all given uh, tiaras to put on at the same time, um, Ann and I looked at each other and we were like majestic Mad Hatters and we said it at the exact <laughs> same minute to each other like I still have goosebumps right now like reliving that moment because the queen had just died um, and we thought wow what a wonderful way to have a nod to her without you know in a happy way and right. also to underscore elegance because who is better at you know having an elegant portrayal than the queen of England. So we just love the idea of honoring her, but also bringing it back to um, an elegant afternoon and having the English um, theme from the rest of the year. That, that really is amazing. And, you know, you're being a little modest with the hats. So talk a little bit, and I, I'd like for both of you to chime in on this one, you know, because you both have perspectives. Sarah Jo, I know you've been involved mm -hmm. for many, many years, and Christine, I know mm -hmm. you've gone as a guest. So explain what, what you mean by Mad Hats, because it really is, it's all very Instagrammable, for lack of a better term, <laughs> these hats. <laughs> yes, so, yes, they are. So could, yeah. You know, so um, Sarah Jo, if you'd like to start with kind of, you know, describing the hats, and then Christina, well, I'd like your point of view as, as the chair with that as well. Over the years, um, the concept of the hats has just grown exponentially. Uh, when Caroline Brown first started uh, Mad Hatters, we were doing kind of demure, elegant hats, and it got bigger and better. And with the different themes over the years, um, people would just build these such large hats that you just can't imagine how people could hold a whole tea party on their head or the state <laughs> fair on their head, or you know the seashore on their head, or the Eiffel Tower on their head. So it's been very amusing and competitive on what kind of hat people can create. This year, I think we're reining it in and doing more of an elegance, like what you could wear to Ascot. But I do feel like 
Um, it's been a historic um, view this year for us to look back on the past 35 years and see what people um, have come up with for their hat, you know, the creativity involved. But I think that's what is the element that makes it fun is the creative competition on who can have the most outrageous or the most beautiful hat. That's why we have different categories that I'll let Christina talk to you about, because I think the categories always kind of uh, dictate the, the hats in which direction they're going. And I do feel like um, I'm very pleased that we're doing something more or less intimidating this year, because I think, Oh my goodness, some of these people, they start creating their hat the day that Mad Hatters is, or the day that it's finished, they start creating their hat for the following year immediately, start thinking of ideas and working on it. And so um, I think this year will be a very special challenge on how to have the most elegant hat. So I'm going to let Christina talk about the cat hat categories this year. But to me, I think that that makes it fun. I think the whole um, how how wild and how uh, just shocking or fun or amazing uh, of a hat you can design makes people uh, really get into the theme and get into the the event. That's so, fantastic. Christina, tell me, tell, tell him, tell him what you think about so, the different categories. So, so Christina, if I may interject for one second. So, when um, Sarah Joe talks about categories, everyone, there's basically many categories where there's competitions where there is an award awarded for the best hat in a certain category. So, with that, with that said, Christina, please go ahead and elaborate on on this year's category sets. Well, as a creative, I certainly don't want to squelch anyone's creativity, but we have established some just a framework this year with some rules for the competition because there hasn't been that in the past and really to have a contest you need to have a framework uh, so that will be printed in the invitation but then we also tried to come up with categories this year that really speak to the theme so the first of those was the queen's choice which would be most true to theme then we have a true princess diana as a uh, sure to be a lasting fashion legend so maybe people could bring out their 80s hats. <laughs> the, um, princess of, the Princess of Wales. Uh, we thought of that as the best overall ensemble because she always looks so wonderful with her, you know, head to toe, shoes, purse, gloves, hat, um, outfit. So that is the Princess of Wales. Then the Chelsea Flower Show, which the Women's uh, Council is going on their trip abroad to this year. Uh, is the most creative use of fresh botanicals. And that has been a really wonderful category. It makes sense for the gardens. It really makes sense for uh, the creation of a really beautiful and creative hat. And there have just been some real stunners over the years with fresh botanicals. And then we also have a hybrid this year, which is the best English garden hat with a Texas twist because, you know, Texans really do like to put their name and their spin on things. <laughs> they sure um, do. <laughs> we also have the head turner, which is going to be the best in show. And then uh, for our group hats, um, in the past, the groups have been um, maybe a whole table, but this year the group is going to be four or more. 
uh, okay. will qualify for the group competition. And it's going to be the Royal Enclosure, which is a group that could attend Ask It together. And so we were kind of trying to think of that in the sense of Ask It does have hat rules and they have things that they expect you to do. And so that was sort of an idea to get groups together in an elegant fashion. That's really great. I especially love that you've expanded it so that it doesn't necessarily have to be a table for a group and that it can be, you know, if if a few friends want to get together and gather and, and create something thematic that they can enroll as well. What is really interesting with those categories is there's there's a com there's a commonality in that they're different categories, but they're interrelated. How do you think the wearing a hat? wearing hats of all the guests really helps create a camaraderie among everyone who attends. And Christina, you know, given that you've attended before and as a chair now, I'd really love your take on that. I think it creates conversation throughout the reception. Um, in years past, I have just been able to marvel at all of the different things. And like one of the things I've really enjoyed were the ones that were made from fresh botanicals. I mean, they were incredible. And some of the outfits that matched those. And last year it was a fair theme. And there was one woman who had a Ferris wheel and she was carrying around turkey legs and uh, <laughs> uh, corny dogs. And, you know, really you felt like it was the fair and it made sense. And there was a wonderful um, Pegasus or two, you know, it, it really was wonderful in the iteration of the theme and in the creativity. And then they were very large, a lot of the hats last year, but I think it really um, creates, conversation. It allows you to go up and meet people you might not meet because you want to speak to them about their hats, um, which I think is a very special part. And so we will be having a reception that's an hour and 15 minutes um, so that there can be that time for people to walk around the garden, um, have a drink, have some hors d'oeuvres, go through the hat judging and then speak to each other. And we also have a people's choice vote. So there will be a people's choice vote and we are figuring out how to do that electronically for the first time so that people may vote um, when they see something that they like, and then we can have a people's choice winner as well. Mm -hmm. I, I really love that. Sarah Jo, what would you like to add? Well, um, also we do, uh, we're having a kind of parade of the hat winners. And so I think that's fun. And for the first time, um, we're having Mad Hatters at Rosine Hall and Tasteful Place, two of the facilities at the Dallas Arboretum. And so there's plenty of room for the hat winners to um, parade to both groups. And uh, the judges will be announcing winners at one place, but they'll be parading by the other, the other visitors. And I do think it is um, very special to highlight our attendees this year and uh, all the different hats. We do have, you know, a special stroll. We have to stroll by the judges if you want to enter the competition. But I think it's uh, really fun that we're putting an extra emphasis on all the participants and um, people can really um, view what, what winners have done in the past. We're gonna have a whole display of some of the past extra special winning hats. And so um, that's kind of great that we've reached out to, to past winners uh, so people can see their hats. So that's, that's new this year. That's that, kind of special. And Anne and I, sorry to interrupt, Anne and I are going to display the first hats we wore when we went together. Oh, that, that, what a great <laughs> idea. And I love, 
I love that the sustainability element because with fashion, that's a major trend right now. And I love how you can use something from a previous year and you can, you know, you can use it with, if you wore it one year, you can wear it again. And people may not necessarily remember you wore it because it was, you know, it may have been a few years back and all that. And I really love the, um, the, the specialness of that. Now, I do want to go back to something Sarah Jo mentioned. Talk about the strutting past the judges and what that <laughs> entails and what that involves, because I know the people listening are dying to know what that means. Well, after you check in, we have a special place um, that the judges will be sitting. And if you choose to uh, enter the competition, uh, you know, there's a, a catwalk for you, you know, to a kind of a step and repeat, but that you can go in front of the judges and turn around, let them see their, your beautiful hat, your ensemble. And um, so that's, you know, a very uh, unique opportunity for them to see you. And this year we will have numbers associated with your name. Christina was very clever to come up with this so that um, we, we can call back um, people. And so the judges can review you again uh, if they need to see you again. And so um, that's kind of nice because in the past, the judges may have to scramble and go, who was that? Who was wearing that, that wonderful hat? But this year we'll have like little numbers that people can show their, um, show the, the judges. We're using so bidder numbers that. actually mm -hmm. on fans. So everyone will oh, have a fan fans. with their bidder number um, mm. so that we can also use them if it's warm in the garden. I mm -hmm. can't think of anything better to tie in with the hat than a fan. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a brilliant. I mean, it, what's so wonderful is that you all have really thought about the details and really creating a magical experience that guests will. One of the other guests on the show talked about how people re will remember certain elements, but at the end of the day, they'll remember how they feel and just mm -hmm. the feeling of fun and the feeling of just beauty that you see you know, not yes. just with the gardens itself, but also with the decor and with the hats really just is it, something that's really heartwarming and would undoubtedly put, you know, put a smile on everyone's face. And that, you know, leads me to my next question is, you know, as we said earlier, this is the 35th anniversary. How does Mad Hatters keep this event fresh year after year that it is really, it's one of the most desired events that people want to go to year in and year out. And that doesn't happen without keeping the, you know, keeping the event fresh in some way. Um, would either of you care to elaborate on that? I would love to speak to that. Um, what we have really tried to do this year is have a transformational change. We wanted to grow the amount of people who could attend. And we also wanted to change the dynamic of the day so that it becomes about the hats, it becomes about the competition and that camaraderie. And then we have a short program because in the past, as the event evolved, there was a fashion show. And, you know, it was a wonderful fashion show and Jan Strimple did an incredible job. And on, you know, her retirement now, it just made sense for us to focus in a different way. Uh, but Michael Faircloth is gonna be speaking about the uh, history, the humor and the hope of the hat. And so I we're hoping it. that that will, will, you know, really help going forward for the next 35 years that we can be focused on the hats. We can be focused on each attendee being involved 
in what the event is. And also by using Rosine Hall and a tasteful place, and then we've also activated the outside terrace, we are gonna have uh, simulcasting in each area and live um, elements in each area so that more people can be involved and we make sure everyone is covered and can be there um, to enjoy the event, but also that it is more of a three hour event instead of a four to five hour event so that people can pick up their kids, get to carpool, get back to work, things that they need to do. Because as the years have uh, leading up to where we are now, um, the event tended to be a little bit longer. And mm -hmm. we found talking to people that they needed, you know, to come and enjoy, but know that there was a certain amount of time to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's be able to get back to <laughs> That's fantastic. And for those, you know, for those who are not familiar with the event, this actually is held during the week. It's on a weekday and it's basically held during lunchtime. So it is something that, you know, I know of people that will take the day off work to go to mm -hmm. this event because it means that much to them because it really is just this, it really is this party in the daytime, really unlike any other that, you know, I've ever experienced or been to. Um, you know, and I think, Sarah Jo, what you were saying in, you know, you you streamline the program, you, you know, you, uh, as sad as I am to see that Jan is now emeritus mm -hmm. with that event, because she's just wonderful. You've got Michael Faircloth to, you know, to pass on the torch and carry on the legacy. I love just all those different elements that you allow things mm -hmm. to really just, you know, be, you know, be fresh. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about the program that Michael is going to be designing this year. Well, he, oh, go ahead, Sarah. Did you want to speak? No, I just wanted to say um, when I first approached Anne and Christina to do the event this year, I really, I asked them to come up with a way to make it fresh and new, exactly what you were asking and I just want to commend them for their effort in coming up with a brilliant plan. And I'm so grateful they did that because that was that was a big mountain to climb. And I said, OK, let's let's make this special. It's our big anniversary year. And our theme all year long has been growing. My theme has been growing friendships for 40 years. And I knew they were good friends and I knew they had a good team of people. And I knew they would come up with a great new direction, and they did. So I just wanted to commend them both for coming so, up with this idea. That's wonderful. Thank and you, Sarah. Sarah. And Sarah Jo, I have one question I kind of want to follow up on. And we talked, we alluded to this a little bit when we talked in the green room. Um, you really have a wonderful relationship with this year's chairs. And I say that mm -hmm. just because the camaraderie and rapport I'm just seeing just in talking to yeah. you, because you can't fake that. It's there and it's obvious. Yeah. Wonderful. So what advice would you give to an organization in selecting chairs that accurately reflect the organization, maybe push the boundaries a little bit, but still, you know, speak to who, you know, who, you know, the organization is? Well, I think, um, and we were talking about this earlier, I think since, since COVID, people are careful about what they choose um, to do with their time. And they're very selective on volunteer commitments. And um, I think COVID taught people um, more about, you know, their relationships with their family and with their community commitments. So 
when selecting this year's chairman, I thought a lot about people that I knew were hard workers and actually wanted to do the work and not be fluff and puff. And <laughs> that's, that's a hashtag, by the way. And I think that it matters a great deal that you have people who are focused on the the beneficiary, which is our garden, uh, which is a women's garden, and people who um, care about uh, the organization itself. And I thought a long time, I've done volunteer work um, for many years with Anne, and uh, I've known Christina, and I knew that she had, Christina is a beautiful graphic artist, and I knew she had such wonderful skills to bring to the team. And Anne is a, an excellent fundraiser and communicator. And I, and both of them are experienced uh, with doing uh, charity work and uh, from uh, their work on cattle barons and, and other activities that I knew that they would be creative. And I really wanted a creative team uh, to come in and make fresh this very special event in this anniversary year. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, I gave them the challenge and they took up the challenge and ran with it. And they've just done a great job. But I put a lot of thought into who would be up to this challenge, who would be creative, who would be dynamic, and who I was, who I knew I, I, I had to count on old friendships. And I think anytime you're president of an organization, when you are creating your board, your group of volunteers, you always look back to your friends that you can count on, friends who you've done events with or had some kind of uh, background of, of working with them on some kind of uh, event, even for another organization, but you count on your friendships. And that's what I did. And when I was building my board and building committees, and I thought a long time about who I would ask. I did. And they I, they were carefully selected. I will say that. that. That's good. And you can tell the thought that you put into it. And, you know, you harp, you, or not harped, but you, you emphasize multiple times creativity and mm -hmm. how important creativity is, especially with an event like this, which is, it's a highly creative event. And to keep it interesting, you know, the creativity has to evolve and push boundaries. And, you know, it sounds like this year, it's very, that's very much gonna be the case. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, their enthusiasm, Christina and Anne's enthusiasm has been contagious. And so their creativity has inspired others to be creative because, uh, you know, I think that's the common bond with Mad Hatters is everyone's done a little creative kind of work at home to put that hat together or select the right hat or to get a hat maker to make just the right hat with the right colors. So it involves creativity on all, all on all places and all parts of it. So I do think that if you have people that are creative themselves, they inspire creativity in others. So that's what this team has done this year. That's fantastic. So, and Christina, do you have anything you'd like to add? Well, I care very much about the details. And so we're being creative with the menu and what we're serving. And because it is Mad Hatter's tea, even though it is a luncheon, 
we are going to be gifting people tea as they leave. So because it's not really a tea. So we're trying to get all the elements together, but to where we could get it to that um, smaller amount of time, you know, most enjoyment for the amount of time that you could be there, but having all the elements and we will be having, you know, uh, sandwiches during the reception, like uh, tea sandwiches as the hors d'oeuvres, you know, but oh, beautifully wonderful. presented. Um, there will be uh, places to sit in the garden during the reception as well, which hasn't been something that's been part of Mad Hatter's in the past. So, you know, every one of the elements and from a branding perspective, I've been very like serious about the branding of the flowers and the queen's hat and the diadem crown and the flowers that are part of our main logo with the cipher, which would be royal. So, you know, all of the different elements of the creative package has also, I think, helped um, other people want to create something interesting with their hats this year. Yeah, I mm -hmm. love that. And what's interesting is, you know, you were talking about, you know, the, the details and really kind of keeping things special and, you know, having really thoughtful gifts like, you know, you giving, you know, the gifts tea, giving the guests tea as they depart. That way, if they if a bunch of people had two hats, they can get together and do a T2.0 at someone's house <laughs> for lunch one day, um, which is what I'll be doing when I take the tea away. So, um, but, you know, it, you, you touched on something that I want to talk about and ask you, and that is, you know, you clearly have a good understanding of how to put together a successful event. What is a, what is an item or a way that you would tell people looking to plan their own fundraiser that wouldn't necessarily cost a lot of money, but it provides great ROI. Oh, gosh. Well, um, well one thing I want to mention, I'll let Christina talk about this, but I, um, I think it's great that our organization and Mad Hatters in particular involves a multi-generational, uh, you know, a, a, a multi-generational group, like my daughter's coming uh, Christina's mother is coming. We have a lot of mother, daughters, granddaughters involved. And I think anytime you want to put on a successful event to, in today's world, and it, you need to get young people in there that you train, that um, learn more about fundraising and how to put on an event. And I think that we've done, a, the Women's Council has done a really good job uh, the past couple of years of bringing in new younger women to learn how to do this. And I think Ann and Christina have done that. They brought in some uh, younger women to work on the event. And, the, and an organization to keep healthy needs to constantly train new volunteers. And this is important. And I think Christina and Ann have been good role models and have done this. Yet on their committee, we also have well-experienced older women who have been in the organization for 40 years. So it's a nice blend of mentors and new people. And I think that makes this a successful event because then each of those groups get, gets their peers to come. And uh, that, in that way, you can, you ensure that the event continues on for many years. And so you get, the new generation excited about it. And I'm excited my daughter's coming and a lot of her peers are coming and she's in her 20s. So it's it's nice that we have started that as kind of a, uh, a trend to do. And I'm so glad Christina's bringing her mother and there are a lot of mother, lots of mother daughters coming. 
Oh, that's lots. fabulous. So anyway, Christina, uh, what is- Well, I would think the return that? on investment that I guess I have learned through my work with cattle barons, I did, I was the chair, one of the chairs of the silent auction last year. And this event, just because they're the most recent in my experience, is having a design and a vision is really the best return on investment. And that doesn't mean you have to invest a lot of money in it. And happily, I was able to create this for our event our, ourselves, like the look and feel and how it was going to be. But for cattle barons, we also built out the silent auction for the first time. It wasn't on tables and it wasn't just with plexiglass um, signage. We had it built if it was um, a gift certificate, it was backlit. And so that really changed the dynamic of the silent auction by having a vision and doing it a little bit differently and making it feel like a boutique. So, and that was a huge return on investment for us. I think that by having this thread of the branding for Mad Hatters, it's been a huge return on investment because we ended up having to release um, tickets the other day because we were already sold out. And um, now we have ticket availability and we had planned for that, but we, you know, because of the branding and the creativity and the excitement, people really do want to come. Well, I mm -hmm. love that, you know, and what, one thing I do love about that is you had your, you, you, you had your baseline of the number of people you wanted. And then when you sold out, you opened another batch because you knew you could scale the event. And I think that's really smart. And it's a smart way of showing our ROI because what no one wants is to, you know, who throws a fundraiser is to walk into a room that's partially empty. This way you allowed yourself to kind of grow smartly and grow strategically. And I know mm -hmm. that there's enough people always wanting to go to this event in particular that that would sell out. But I love the thoughtfulness that you did and really kind of doing it in phases and steps because it allows the energy and the momentum to maintain itself all the way up until the event happens. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good. Well, mm -hmm. um, Sarah Jo and Christina, I cannot thank you both enough for being on today. This really was a fun, this really was fun. And I hope that we can do this every fun year because you're, it yeah, is fun, fun and fundraising. Fun yes, fun and, and fundraising. I hope we can do this every year because your event is really one of the best in Texas. And I'm just honored that I'm able to, to showcase it to our listeners. Well, thank you well, for we're having so us. so happy you offered. Yes, thank yes, you. We're we excited look forward about to this year. Seeing yeah. you soon. We, we will be there. At, we will be there on April 20th. And with that said, the 35th annual Majestic Mad Hatter's Luncheon is on Thursday, April 23rd, 2023 at the Dallas Arboretum in Dallas, Texas. For more information, visit womenscounciledallasarboretum.org. And I am Rob Giardinelli signing off on Fun and Fundraising, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, so your guests have a great time. Take care and have a great day, everyone. <laughs>